Alrighty, with Wayne. How's it going, Wayne? It's really good. You know, we, we didn't speak for a few weeks and it feel like we were never going to play at Old Trafford again. It felt like we were never going to play at Old Trafford again. And then suddenly it's like every single, like, three days there at the moment. I don't mind it because we're playing all right at the moment, but it's like, all right, we can have a rest. Well, you're going to get a break soon, aren't you? <laughs> oh, we most certainly are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before the World Cup. Still got a few games left. I can't remember now. It's three Premier League games and the final Europa League group game and the EFL Cup yeah, game, yeah. something like that. So anyway, we played Sheriff. United won, obviously. It was always going to be a victory. Totally dominant. 24 shots to nothing. 75% possession. Should have been more goals, really. And that's, I guess, the only concern coming out of it that United are creating a lot and not scoring enough at the moment. But that's not what anyone wants to talk about, is it? The only thing on people's mind is Anthony's 720 spin, pirouette, 9.0 for the ice dancing. Uh, Shame he missed the pass afterwards. What were your thoughts on it? Were you horrified like all the other pundits? (laughs) It was so funny. So, obviously, anyone who knows Old Trafford is the dead zone for Wi-Fi and internet, so you're not going to see the hysteria until afterwards. So... When it happened, he does it, and I'm like, oh, I started laughing when he started, when he went around the second time. I was, like, laughing. But obviously, it was kind of like an invitation. Come and get the ball, please, because you are... Even the attackers weren't pressing. From the first minute, they were, like, they were yeah. saying, you know, a 4-5-1, and the, the one just wasn't doing anything. So they weren't... They weren't they, it, was, it was like the old Liverpool slogan, or the recent one, we come not to play or something. <laughs> that was right, Sheriff, yeah. that was Sheriff Old Trafford. So fair enough, he, he's done it twice to sort of wind them up and say, sort of say, come and get the ball. And then he kicked out of play. And I groaned. I'm like, oh, bloody hell, that's it. And, but it was just whatever, whatever. He did it twice and he went out of play. A little bit of frustration, that's it. And I thought, well, I when I go on to Twitter and I post about it, I'm going to be an old fuddy-duddy saying, oh, no, I wish he hadn't done that because it, it looks a bit silly when it goes out of play. But then when everyone yeah. else is going off about it, I'm like, oh, this is funny. Like seeing the, how, how mental everyone went about it. And I'm like, I kind of like, it was like, I know I made the Rocky Four in a previous podcast, Rocky Four analogy, but it's like we said suddenly Moscow is all Rocky. I'm like, oh, suddenly, <laughs> yeah. suddenly I've come round to him and he's 720. Right. Like, just, just from the reaction of it. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see him do it all the time now because like. Exactly. It, yeah. I, 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 I think about five milliseconds after he'd done it, a friend sent me a message saying, Robbie Savage is losing his shit over this. I was like, yes, of course he is. If I had to put. If I had to rank pundits, he'd be quite high on the losing his shit scale. I, I just thought it was, uh, even Paul Scholes was weighing in saying he should be given a good kicking for doing that. And my, my thoughts were, yeah, he gave the ball away. So it looks stupid because he gave the ball away because he overhit the pass. Not that it was a bad pass into the channel, really, just overhit it. Oh, yeah. Not that it was a bad idea, bad execution. Look, football's supposed to be entertainment, it's supposed to be fun. No one is going to remember that game. You can barely remember the game today. It was so inconsequential. In a week's time, forget it. But we'll be talking about that Anthony pirouette, double pirouette with toe whatever for for years. So it's entertainment. It was fun. We will be, we will be in like for a Europa League game against Sheriff. That that is, can you remember the player? I'm going to say his name was Curlon. I I, 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 I,
That's and nobody it, yeah. remembered anything apart from that. And I remember like the first time I saw him do that, and I'm like, oh, United should sign him <laughs> on the strength of that. And obviously, <laughs> he was highly rated. He was being linked to different English clubs at the time, and obviously, he's, I don't know where he is now. That I had to really think about his name because I knew we were going to talk about this. I'm like, is it Caroline? I haven't double checked it, so someone might prove me wrong with that. Sounds about right. So, but the point I'm making is that you, you remember him for doing that. And I'm not saying that Anthony is only going to be remembered for that, but the actual, the mechanics of what he was trying to do, all right, it looks silly because it didn't come off. But the idea is you're winding them up to catch them out with the easy pass. And I don't yeah. mind that. So if he's doing that again, and he will try it again, he'll probably try it again on Sunday, and he knows it's going to wind people up. That's what you want. You want them, you want, you are basically with that move. He's doing that move because he's got time on the ball. He's doing that move because no one's gone near him. So if they're doing that, they're making an impulsive decision. And that's the kind of thing that United need to do to break down defences that they're coming up against. Because oh, sure. He, yeah. Yeah. Look, he, I think the step over or double step over and then sort of pass it backwards from him is kind of frustrating because you know he's got the skill to beat his man and if he's using a trick to draw them in because yeah. they were sitting so deep then that's all right he's done it for Ajax as well and for Brazil I saw someone posted some clips of this so this is a trick and he likes it and what's wrong with the trick Ten Hag said afterwards that he doesn't mind the tricks as long as he doesn't give the ball away so he gave the ball away that was yeah. the problem but it would be a shame I think if Ten Hag takes Paul Scholes's advice and kicks it out of him and uh, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know the the whole kind of attention economy rent a gob thing that has to happen where you can't be a pundit unless you say something negative. Now, at least certain types of media is a real shame because it's uh, it's encouraging people to just mouth off in order to get some attention. Yeah, did did Paul Scholes ever play with any show ponies? And did he ever <laughs> encourage? Yeah. Did he ever encourage the kicking it out of them on the training pitch? I don't think so. There is a funny story from Rafael and Fabio. I think it was Fabio on his first training session. He, they didn't know. They knew Paul Scholes. They, they, this is a story from their book, by the way. So they obviously they played with United on the PlayStation. So they knew the players. They, they were familiar with when I said they played with them on the PlayStation, they played as Manchester United on the PlayStation. Yeah. So, so they knew the players were. They, knew, they were quite well aware of Paul Scholes. Possibly they were not aware of Paul Scholes' reputation for late tackles. So on in the first training session in Carrington, Fabio gets the ball, Scholes comes in with one of his, I'm going to introduce myself to you, tackles. Fabio flicks the ball over his head and Fabio <laughs> receives it, Scholes is like miles away. And everyone's sort of like, ah, Scholes, he scores. And then Scholes went back in on Fabio with a, a bit of a reducer to sort of say hello in a more nice. personal way. But so, yeah, perhaps, perhaps Paul Scholes is true to his word that, you know, if someone did try that on the training pitch, that so he would be the one to deal out that kind of thing. But, you know, he played with Ronaldo. Ronaldo was even more frustrating than Anthony in terms of like step In his early days, yeah. yeah. Certainly, you know. And yeah, look. It didn't come off, but it will come off in the future. It, it wasn't that difficult. Well, the skill was ridiculous. Ridiculously entertaining, by the way. Well, I mean, uh -huh. by, not ridiculous in a bad way. The pass itself was fairly simple. So as, as soon as you get players on the right wavelength, then it wasn't like he tried to do something stupid on the ball and then he hit a 50-yard pass or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think it'll come off in future. I think it'll have its benefits in future. I think it will frustrate United fans in future as well. But you know, that's part of the fun of having a player like that. 
Well, that's right. Let's hope he becomes more Ronaldo, at least on the pitch, and less Nani, which is what he looks like at times yeah. at the moment. Uh, anyway, that was eight minutes on the uh, the pirouette. It needs a name, doesn't it? You, you can edit. You can edit that to seven minutes, 20 seconds, I'm sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, make us much sharper. I'll speed this up to 1.5 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> might have to. You, know, you may be able to hear I've got a bit of a cold, so I might be sounding a bit nasally. So, you know, I'll speed myself up. I'll sound normal again. Well, the game, I mean, it, United had to win because we're still chasing top spot. Top spot matters because you don't get yeah. those two extra games. Won't have to play by the looks of it. Barcelona or Juventus or some other big names that are dropping out of the Champions League, which I guess is you've got to beat everyone that's in the competition, but it's useful not in a round of 32. So there's there's incentive. Real Sociedad beat Ammonia in Nicosia last night as well. So they've won all five. United are going to have to score at least twice in in at, at, at to, to, to top the group. So, you know, there's a big ask, but they had to win the game last night and they won the game. Yeah. So. I thought good, good might be a little bit optimistic even for you, Ed. I'll be honest. I, good. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit cruel. So, well, while we're talking I, about showboy, normally the optimistic ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're talking about showboy, by the way, the it was early in the first half, midway through the first half, they played a long ball, cleared a long ball, Ericsson trapped it, beautiful first touch span, and did a fifty. 60 yeah. yard pass across it. Oh my god, absolute beauty to it. So just watch. I was like, I where we sit in the south stand, like a direct line behind right. the pass. Right. Like, oh thing, my yeah. god, it was so. I felt like he'd over it the pass at first, but then when you just see it dropping, oh, it was just a beauty. The, the, know, it, was, it was a lovely ball. It's a shame I haven't seen a low camera angle because that's the that's the one that makes it look really good. That that was my angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. good. You, you do want to see that, right? So. I thought the performance was it was okay. I th- again, with United, with the number of chances, it's always about the quality of chances, right? And I don't think we had that many quality chances. But we dominated the game, and it's like I was saying earlier, they played 4-5-1, sometimes it was a 4-6, and they they were just playing. They did come out a little bit, as they would do at 1-0. They, they had to come out and try and get something from the game. Until that point, until it got to half-time, it was just that kind of... War of attrition, going over, trying something different to try and bring the players out. On one side, you've got Anthony deliberating. On the other side, Greg Garnacho trying to be like a knife through butter, which was refreshing yep. to see. And then you've got Ericsson and Bruno. Bruno had a, a bit of a flat nine. I know he's played well recently. Um, Ericsson trying what, to do what he can. But then you've got just this constant turning of the ball, turning over at the edge of the box, Lindelof pushing up to get involved in it and everything like that. And when Lindelof's 30 yards from goal, trying to dictate the play, you know how far back the, the opposition is sitting. That's so right. you have to sort of say, in that regard, because United have faced that so many times in recent weeks, it's a credit to United that they kept going and they found that breakthrough uh, in the way that they did find it. Yes, I know Sheriff are a really poor side. and Yes, I know it's not the Sheriff that won at Real Madrid, but 11 players camping inside the penalty box can be very frustrating for even the best sides. And United don't have a really agile um, centre forward in the way that we'd like to have. They don't really have wingers who create in the traditional sense. So, and they're still building yeah. that kind of sense. So, for what they for what we did, especially once we opened the game up and it was one nil, and we did create a little bit more, and we did look like we were going to score a few more goals. I was entertained more than I would think I would normally be against the game against Sheriff. And 
at the moment everyone wanted to see the romantic Ronaldo goal at the end. Oh yeah, that's it. That was the, that's the one that got me going for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Gardacho, and I guess he was the real entertainment, wasn't he? For at least the first half, and got the ball just very, very direct. Beat his man several times. Um, mm. Looks like he's ready to play at this level. Of course, he wasn't tested defensively, and that's one of the things that Ten Hag will be looking for. United have gone from being one of the worst pressing teams in the in the country to one of the best. One, not the best, but one of the highest ranked in terms of number of pressures. Yeah. Um, so that'll be the side of his game that we haven't seen much of, really. But in terms of entertainment, top notch. He gets the ball. He wants to take his man on. He's very, very direct. He can go outside or inside. He's quite two-footed, which Anthony on the other side is not. Yeah, he has one hundred percent balance on one foot and zero on the other. But yeah, it looks. I can't say that Garnacho is going to become a top player, but it feels like it. And they need to get that contract sorted because he's had a contract in the summer and it's going down to the wire somewhat. Because I'm quite sure there are quite a few clubs around Europe looking at him, going, "Yeah, we'd like a bit of that." I'm sure um, that if we if we if we don't get into a new contract, we can sign him for eighty million in five years. Yeah, time. that's right. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's just put the no. bid in right now. <laughs> Just tap Juventus up now. Just like, we haven't signed him yet, but we're just anticipating. When you do, that you we'd will. Like, yeah, twenty twenty seven. We'd like him back, uh, please. No, yeah, he was really good. The thing that really impresses me, uh, yeah, all right. So Old Trafford's always going to respond to accommodate a player like that in that kind of situation. They'll always respond to a young player anyway. We've talked about it before. You put a young player in for his first team debut in time, pretty much the strongest United side. Give us take two or three players. It was a strong United side. It wasn't yeah. taking a game for granted. So he's put him in really good environment for him to set up and play his natural game. And he did that. And he, he wasn't 10 out of 10 outstanding, but he was, that's like seven and a half, eight out of 10, what you would expect. So he was doing good things and he was being brave on the ball. But the, the one thing I want to, the, the wider point I want to make about 10 is I don't know if we've ever seen the United manager in our lifetime, so since Ferguson, let's say, because neither even you or I, being as old as we are, don't really remember the nuance of Fergie's early selections and how they differed from what Atkinson was doing in terms of like the, the actual how how is this changing yeah. the the dynamic of the club and everything like that. But we've seen with boys, we've seen with Solskjaer, Mourinho, Van Gaal, they were messing with selections. They never seemed to have an understanding of what they're doing. They were even like one or two months in, you didn't understand really the long-term vision you knew that they were kind of panicking until the next transfer window what i'm really 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 impressed with tenag with is that he's so wise with all of his decisions now now i'm not saying they're always right i'm not saying that they're always perfect so that i understand all of them but you can understand what he's trying to do 99 percent of the time and you can understand the shape of the side. You can understand everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. I've never seen this kind of settlement in the United team ever since Ferguson. And I'm talking like even with the benefit of Solskjaer two years in charge or Mourinho a year in charge, 18 months. We've never had this kind of settlement where you kind of know United's best team or you know what to expect from them. And they're that settled and composed. That This is really impressive in terms of what you've seen from this United side. To know that... Over the last week, yeah, all right, it was frustrating against Newcastle, but then to come out and play the way that they did against Spurs and then against Chelsea, really good, in, impressive performances. And then to keep that kind of, not say standard, but tempo and concentration, level of concentration, not knowing what they were going to come up against against Sheriff, it's a different kind of opponent, different kind of task to keep high, to keep going. 
to keep the concentration, to keep seeing the game through. And it's the same 11 or same 14 or 15 players that are playing. Yes, yeah. there's a long-term point about how we can do that without making too many changes. But that's not the point that we need to be making at this period, at this moment in time. The point is, can we get us outside and understand what it means to represent Manchester United? And that's a point that I made right. on Twitter was we've not seen... The, the biggest thing is that Ten Hag's treated every single game dead serious. We really and that's has, been yeah. a mass, That's been a massive message to the players and it's been a massive message, message to the support as well. And everybody's responded in kind and I don't know how more impressive it could have been, honestly. And we're talking about a 3-0 win over Sheriff, but I'm, I'm so impressed with general direction of it at the moment. I think he's getting almost everything right. Of course, he he got it wrong against City. They were too open. City took advantage, and they do against many teams. and And he was really punished for that. But but he hasn't reacted in a way that, say, Van Hal reacted after the battering at Leicester and just given up on his plan. Exactly, completely. Changes. He's done. No, I want yeah. this. Is I. It's the same message I'm trying to do, but I'm just going to mess with the personnel. It, tinkering with putting Casemiro in. Didn't want to do that against City from the start because he might he might be all at sea. Put him in in the second half and we massively improved. And then that was the moment to make those major changes. It's almost like not giving them enough rope, because I don't think that's fair, because he's made the changes in a safe and not a Mourinho throwing players under the bus kind of way. He's he's made it in a sensible way, giving them the opportunities to do. The only thing that's disappointed me was the only thing, apart from the City thing, I'm, talking, I'm not saying that he's blemish-free. What I'm saying is, even when he makes the mistakes, he's learning from them quickly. He's not repeating mm-hmm. mistakes. The only thing that I was a little bit disappointed with, and I don't know, because I've not seen the reaction to this 24 hours after, I haven't looked for it, was Maguire coming on at half-time, fine. But why has he got the armband off Fernandez? I don't understand that. Fernandez was a captain. Just leave him as captain. Is it that important yeah. to give Maguire the armband? So the only I don't thing, know. I don't I, know. I, 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 I think in England we tend to over-index on the captain thing more yeah. than more than in some. I I don't know whether it's important. I should be more of a football hipster and know whether it's important in Holland or not. But in some countries, it's just the oldest player that gets it, and especially in Italy, that's always been the tradition. So I don't know whether it's important. But it, yeah, it was a little odd that suddenly. I mean, Maguire playing was fine. He needed the minutes. I, I'm assuming because it was at halftime, it was pre-planned. He said it was pre-planned with Anthony. Yeah. They wanted to try Rashford and Ronaldo as a combination. And so that's fair enough. Yeah, the armband thing was, yeah. Maybe it's important, maybe it's not. I mean, he's the club captain. No, I mean, but by all means, if he starts the game, give him the captain. To, I just, I think he's taking it off him at half time. It, it's just a bit odd to me. I, I just don't get that. Because it, but it is what it is. It's not a massive grumble. It's just a little thing that... I don't even. It might be a good thing for team role. I don't know. It just seemed a bit weird because you don't. It's, yeah. It was an oddity. It was a change from the norm. And but if that's the only thing that we're grumbling about with Ten Hag at the moment, and it's really not I know. a grumble. We've got picking picking at the edges, aren't we? Yeah. He, I mean, Ronaldo got his goal. He missed a couple of other really good chances. He's obviously not that mobile, and it does impact how United play. He's in the bottom 2% of pressures this season. He hasn't played very much, so maybe it's a small sample size, although it's consistent with the last few seasons. But, you know, you know what you get. I think Ten Hag has played that one really well. Ronaldo had his drop. It was the second time he'd done that. Ten Hag punished him, but he hasn't held held a grudge and he's reintegrated him into the side. And now it's up to Ronaldo, right? He can can come along for the ride. He can play in some of these games that are perhaps less important he can come on as a late impact sub 
Um, the next time he's asked to come on the 89th minute to defend corners, because he's actually quite good at that, uh, I, I suggest he does it. <laughs> Otherwise, he's probably better finding himself another club. So we'll see. It's, it's The ball is entirely in Ronaldo's court now there. I think Ten Hag has played it perfectly. He's done what a manager should do, despite the pundit grumbles. A lot of ridiculous commentary saying that he shouldn't have done that somehow, that he should have re- allowed Ronaldo to to be petulant and ill-disciplined. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah. So, anyway. I had, I had a bit of fun with that with Piers Morgan, I believe, so on Twitter. Because he, obviously, the only thing bigger than Ronaldo's shop was Piers Morgan tweeting about it every day. And yep. so he'd done it maybe four days in a row. Like, he complained, oh, Ten Hogs disrespected. And every day I'm thinking, has something else happened here? But it's just the same thing. Piers Morgan reacted to something else. So, like, about four days in, I've been doing it. I just tweeted, as Piers Morgan said anything about Ronaldo and Ten Hag because I think the football world's dying to hear his opinion on the matter. And he retweeted me seriously as though he hadn't done it yet. And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? Why are you doing yes. this? And everyone, everyone's Level like, of self-awareness of Piers Morgan is quite low. <laughs> yeah, so, so. But he, get, he, he did give me his opinion. And by just so everybody knows, he's not a big fan of what Ten Hag did. I think Ten Hag played it perfectly. I think... That in the past, uh, it's a different kettle of fish because Ten Hag's in the early weeks and months of his reign, so the club are duty bound to to get behind him, and they can't really contrast co- contrast or conflict any of his decisions. So, I mean, contradicted any of his decisions, so they can't go back on him and say, "Oh, you can't, you can't drop Ronaldo. You can't do that to Ronaldo. He can yeah. do it to anyone he wants at the moment. He's bulletproof." And this is why I go back to when he was re- when he was instated in the position back in May, and how much of an influence do you have in the contract decisions? Now, we don't know. We, it could be very much a matter of fact that Pogba and Lingard were already going. However, we do know that at some point, contracts for those players were on the table. And even even if it, it was a token effort of Ten Hag saying, look, they, they said, these these are the players going, but we can make an extra push if you want to keep them. And he said, no, we're, we're making a clean sweep. He still did that. He was still in post when those players went. And he yep. was still the one symbolically sweeping the room, if you like. So he, he was making statements from from that point, and I think that's that has helped stabilise the dressing room in the early weeks and months. And this kind of thing does as well. And people might say, "Oh, it's destabilising because it's Ronaldo." It's absolutely not. It's the exact thing that he needs to be doing, and especially because it's Ronaldo. And I th- I know what he's saying about the numbers with Ronaldo with his with the press and everything. I I will say from what I've seen of him under Tenag. Um, even under Rangnick to an extent, it's not that he's not willing, it's just that he's less able to do it. it we've seen some kind of effort in, and I will I will clarify that. It's a token effort. He puts in the effort to press. But last night, if you sometimes it's the kind of thing that you don't see on the TV. But, for example, there was a moment when Ronaldo was pressing a defender. He looked around, he saw that Rashford wasn't pressing. So Ronaldo was kind of like, oh, Rashford's not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm like, mate, you're 37. <laughs> you still need to press. But it doesn't wash and it doesn't help your position any. So there are the kind of things that are still annoying. Besides Ronaldo, that's the 21-year-old still throwing a strap yeah. around. There is the token effort there. He's, he's more willing, less able. The ring rustiness, you can't say that anymore because he's had long enough, more than enough game time to sort of get out of that. There were a couple of moments where he didn't look awful on the ball. There was a moment where he shimmied out and his finish wasn't great. And it, The thing is, 
And it's funny to see in a way. Funny, it's not funny when he misses chances because it impacts United not winning the game. But it's funny to see a player of the supreme self confidence of Ronaldo. Funny in like fun, funny not hysterical, but funny haha to observe a player with a supreme self confidence, bulletproof as he's been for twenty years. Like not, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best player ever. Which endearing and annoying in equal measure. Whoever, whatever side of the coin you're on. But to see him go from that to being this player who constantly looks like up to the heavens whenever he misses, like the w- entire world is against me at the moment. I'm like, Ronaldo, it's, it's almost like it's a different person. You know, like, oh, I've missed a sitter again. Why is the world doing this to me? It's like, well, <laughs> it, perhaps if you've been there a little bit quicker. And, and some of that's not his fault. Yeah. That's just for the time. And I think, like, yeah. it is it is amusing in a way. Like, he thinks, oh, my God, is, is there some kind of spell being put on me? Or my boots have been put on the wrong way or something. And I... I there was a moment in time when we played, was it Sheriff away? Was it Sheriff away where he missed all the chances? And then he, I think yes. he scored the penalty. There was one game yeah. where he missed a bunch of chances. No, it was Ammonia away. He missed a oh, bunch of chances. Okay. And I, I, we, I think we did the podcast straight after that. And I was saying, I'm less concerned because he's getting into the positions. Fast forward three weeks, I'm like, okay, I might have to just step back on that one because... Uh, he was getting in the position against Ammonia, which is an easier thing to do. And now I'm looking at him thinking, no, he looks like a 37-year-old. He looks like the summer. I, I don't know, it, because he, does, he didn't look anywhere near this bad last season. And that's what I don't understand about it. Is it does look like a bad, mad regression. Well, I, th- I think he looks worse part in part because of the way Ten Hag wants to set up his team. He's not setting it up for Ronaldo. Yeah, that's a good and point. They, they've clearly had that discussion. Well, we know they've had that discussion because it's been leaked out by all parties. Uh, and Ten Hag has, has stuck to his guns uh, in the way mm. he wants to build the team. And so that's what I was saying about Ronaldo has to make a decision. He's not going to be a weekly starter for United. And he needs to kind of get over that and and be part of the team for the next six months because that's all that's left on his contract. Or find somewhere else to go. Uh, he also he needs to think about the the World Cup as well because I'm sure uh, I'm sure they're looking at that and going hmm. I mean he'll go obviously he'll go to the World Cup. They do have a decision to make about whether he's the starting forward because they actually have quite a few forwards at the moment. Yeah. Portugal and uh, and it's not obvious that he should be the one to start that. And mm. and we'd, we'd, this is probably his last World Cup, I imagine. And talking about legacy and all of that, and Lionel Messi is there with a good Argentina side. Hey, he wouldn't he wouldn't want his old foe to win the World Cup, would he? And him not to. So anyway, enough on enough on Ronaldo. A few other things to note: Malasia started. He started all the Europa League games. I guess he's getting a good amount of game time, even though Shaw's come back into the side. And Shaw was actually when he came on for. Diogo Dallo about on the yeah. hour. Malasia played right back, and Shaw was on left back, and immediately looked very sharp and good and putting some good balls in it, including the ball for Rashford for for Rashford's goal. And yeah. the uptick in Shaw's form has been like, tremendous. Clearly, he needs the competition. It works with Luke Shaw. No, nothing else motivates him except for real competition for his place. Yeah, I, which is good to see from Luke Shaw's perspective and from ours. But do we have to buy a new left back every year? Because, Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> because it, it doesn't. And, and let's be right about it. I mean, even Luke Shaw is best. I don't want to be mean because he's playing really well. There's still a question mark. He's definitely a, 
a left back good enough to get United into the top four. That's possibly the ceiling. So you still need an upgrade on challenging for the title. And we don't know if Molassi is that kind of fullback just yet because he needs to sort of have that chance to develop. But yeah, you can't take Luke Shaw out of the starting team when he's playing as well as what he is doing because if you, you know, you risk losing that kind of momentum and you don't want a bad Luke Shaw around because if you have a bad Luke Shaw, then you can't make the change with Molassi. It's really double edged sword for him. So I can see why he's trying to play Molassi at right back to make sure that he's getting the game time. And to be fair, for a player who is as left-sided as Molassi, he's, he's done all right when he's been asked to moonlight there. It's funny, though, to see that. Are we, are we that bad at right back? Because Led has done well on loan. Wan-Bissaka's just completely, like, doesn't exist anymore. And you've got three backs, three full-backs playing for two positions there. It, it's... And, and that's it's the same point with Dallo as well. He, he played well and he scored, but what? How well is well? If he, if I'm if I'm being completely critical, if we're looking at where we need where we are and where we need to kick on, because we we're praising all the players and rightly so, because you know the responses have been really good, and that's that's the first thing. The second thing is, well, we know some of the ceilings of these players anyway, and that's without wanting to get too much on the back at the moment because they've still got we've still got to give them the chance to kick on and, and prove us wrong, and I'm happy to do that. I just think that there's a point where we know what the ceilings are naturally, and you think, well, Dallo and Shaw, I'm happy to say that they've they've proven me wrong in terms of I thought that they we'd have a clean sweep of everyone last yeah. season, and I wouldn't be too disappointed. Now I can say, well, if if we're challenging, I can see where they'd be part of a squad. I just can't see where they'd be starting in in a squad like that. So that's my if I have concerns with that, it's kind of like yeah. we're gonna need we are gonna need a right back who's better at going forward and better at defending what Dallow is. Yeah, and stuff. Like but that. he's done okay, and I think he's probably surpassed everyone's expectations because I didn't think we thought much of him. Exactly. Yeah. At the weekend, reuniting with your mate David Moyes, uh, West Ham at Old Trafford. We didn't play every game at Old Trafford at the moment. There's been a lot of them, as you were noting. Uh, West Ham not going that great this season, really. They recovered. They had yeah. a worse start, and they've recovered. They had a bad from that. start, didn't they? Yeah, but that's what David Moyes teams tend to do, don't they? They start badly, lull everyone into this. I don't, I don't know, false sense. I don't know what it is, an accurate sense, and then they just pick up a little bit. His Everton team used to do it all the time. I can remember it was just a trend. I don't know if it's something to do with the, the fitness training or, or something like that. Like United, we started badly, but we just continued badly. But no, yeah, he, he's done all right. I mean, they've scored a couple of good goals as well, so whenever I've seen them play, I'm not saying that they play brilliant football, but they play sometimes pretty football, prettier football than what you would have associated his team Everton and wherever it is, Sunderland, mm. of course, and Sociedad. So they are a more attractive side than his previous teams. They've got better, better players to do that, I guess. Less sort of battering ram like what Everton were with Cable yeah. and, and Fellaini. So the, the, there are those aspects, and they have given us good games. They do have, I mean, obviously with Declan Rice and a couple of the attacking players, they've got some really good players in there, and 
Rice was brilliant at Old Trafford last season, wasn't it? Was that that was the game where Rashford scored in the last minute? We all were all thinking, right. "Oh, Rashford's going to kick on now." But Rice and he was didn't. In, yeah. yeah, Rice was incredible. I, there was a couple yeah. of players. There was one occasion, wasn't it? He proper bullied Ronaldo off the ball at one point, and then maybe a couple of others. It looked like that was his pitch. So I'd be very interested to see how Casemiro deals with that. Yeah, it'll be a good matchup. He was he was very good against Liverpool at the weekend as well. Yeah, Rice was. I mean, they they lost obviously West Ham, but yeah, they've they've changed things around a bit. They're they're playing two up front with Skamaka and Bowen at the moment. Antonio's injured, of course, because because he's always injured, and they've gone to like more of a box midfield. Yeah, I'd say it's simple football. It's it's not sort of in your face long ball stuff by any means, but I don't think he's like looking for any complex systems or anything. They they're a decent side. I, I mean, I just noticed they'd beaten Silkeborg in the Europa Conference League. That totally passed me by that they'd been playing in that yesterday. So <laughs> what a pointless competition. Except if you're West Ham and Silkeborg, of course. Yeah, that's exactly oh, man, who yeah. it's aimed oh. at. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. They are the West Ham strike me as being in that moment where. They don't know where they're going under Moyes. There's always that season under David Moyes where, where he's been there not not too long. I'm not going to say that because there were a couple of moments like that at Everton. You wonder where the direction's going and then they either drop off for a season or then have a really good season. But they look like they're in the middle of one of those we don't know where we are seasons. And that bodes well for us because when David Moyes' teams are lacking in that kind of direction, that seems to be when we have best joy against them so and to be fair they're gonna do what Newcastle did we know that uh, and what Sheriff tried to do but they've got better players to do it so he's gonna be it's not gonna be a very easy game for us I'm not saying that but it, I think it's yeah more easy than I feel more confident than I did about last season's game if that makes sense yeah well, well, United, make sense. In, United yeah it does make sense United are in a good, pretty good position at the moment the, the the rest will be interesting because they made a lot of changes. West Ham and United played a strong side. So I guess that's advantage West Ham there. But we know exactly how they're going to play. And they're going to play very deep. They probably won't press from the front. Skamaka's not really that kind of player. Bowen is. I, I think they'll sit in and, and it'll be up to United to take the chances, which we haven't really been doing in recent weeks, and yeah. break them down. And we'll have a lot of possession. We are now a possession-dominant side mostly against most teams not not against Liverpool Arsenal and and uh, who we beat and City who we didn't obviously but but against most teams we you can see the pattern we're progressing there and this is the a different kind of test than some of the games recently in which United have been pretty good so I was I, I was just trying to remember obviously when United go to London and play West Ham pretty memorable games you could you probably remember like a dozen off the top I, I, yes. of your head Yep. I was trying to think while you were just talking there. I was listening to what you were saying, Ed. I wasn't absent-minded there. But I was half-thinking. or I was trying to jog my memory of memorable United games with West Ham at Old Trafford. Yeah. I remember, I remember 7-1. I remember Paolo Di Canio, but that was in the cup, obviously. The yeah. Thing. I remember Tevez scoring. Yeah, yeah. Dean Ashton scored an overhead kick in one. And we battered them. Marco Bugas, can you remember? He lived in a caravan. Well, he lives in a caravan <laughs> now, and he, uh, he, he he tried to break Neville's leg. I'm trying to Berbatov with the spin on the oh yeah on the that was, that was against, yeah. 
There you go. It, you've, you've, you've just reeled I, up half a dozen there. Yeah, I know, but I was trying to think, is it is it a memorable Premier League fixture? Because United-West Ham, really. it, it feels like it should be, right? It feels like it's a long enough storied one. There's definitely been games at Upton Park, which there was the, the Beckham effigy, the, the yep. game where we lost the title, 2-2 within scoring in the last minute. They were all the first few years of the Premier League. So... Up to Parker, the really, and the, the last football league one, obviously, where we um, can forget about that one. It's nothing, yeah. nothing much happened. No, is that that game? That's miserable. <laughs> yeah, um, the t- two big defeats, which basically cost us the title against West Ham at Upton Park, and and that game where Mourinho like was begging for mercy. It, it was a cry for help where he played Scott Patton oh, in a back three. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that was one. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that is just he literally just, that that was throwing. He was it. like, please. He was like, please sack me. <laughs> he could have written it on his face, and it wouldn't have been clearer. So. <laughs> oh god! I mean, have you? If you ever, if there was a football dictionary created and it said throwing players under the bus, that game would be. <laughs> oh, yeah. that maybe that last three months would be. It wouldn't be. Yeah. It is. The, the trips to London are generally more memorable. But yeah, as we've just proved. As we've just proved, there there are six or seven good old Trafford moments as well, and maybe we can add to it. Someone that. needs to send Anthony the tape of the Berbatov spin and say, all right, mate, do that. <laughs> this is pirouette nonsense. <laughs> That's a pirouette. Do three of them. Do three of them, yeah. And it was Ronaldo who scored from that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Berbatov, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ronaldo, Ronaldo was stood dead in the middle, doing nothing, waiting for a tapping. If... If the current Ronaldo can do anything, he can do that. So he can wait in the middle, doing nothing, waiting for the tap in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, victory assured. Then Anthony spin on the byline, Ronaldo tap in to make it whatever to United. Yeah, I'm actually feeling fairly confident about this one. I think we will beat them, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be one of those games that looks pretty because West Ham are going to come to make it look not pretty well um I could, I could be wrong about that they could be much more progressive and i'm doing them a disservice but i doubt it last home game for two months in the league so wow wow because it's after this is what it, there's fulham and then is there another away game villa villa away and then the cup game against villa and that's it yeah the, the cup games old uh, old trafford obviously you've got so she did west ham so she dad away Villa away, Villa at home, Fulham away. Bye That's bye. it. Yeah. Wow. No, that's not um, it. Terminally, that's, that was such a bleak. No, no. That, that's it. <laughs> for, for, for five weeks. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll see. I mean, there'll be quite a few of those players disappearing to the World Cup. Some of them won't be. I, I I suspect a couple of, well, at least one English player in the United squad is not going to make it and be disappointed. Probably Sancho. I think mm. at this point it's going to be very... Very unlikely that he'll um, he'll make it. Although he could do with a good game at the weekend because it's pre- he's probably competing with Jared Bowen for that pet place in the the squad. Mm. And uh, we'll see. Uh, Southgate seems to like Bowen at the moment. Not sure why, but he does. Well, anyway, yeah, couple 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 of goals to nil is what I'm thinking. Got got the thoughts on the score? No, well, I think he's. Quite bold to make a prediction of one. No, we've stopped doing that. Yeah, we we did ten years of making predictions and got almost none of them right. <laughs> Our expected correct prediction was like zero point zero zero something. <laughs> oh yeah, I I don't do it for that for that reason because it's like oh, can you just uh, 
I get enough wrong and I get enough crap on social media. I don't need to be acting incorrect predictions to it. Like, oh, you said it was going to be 2-0, that kind of thing. What do you know? I know nothing. So I, I'm better to plead ignorance with that. On the other podcast that we've got on the YouTube channel on, on Friday nights, Lee Lawrence and Phil Marsh with the host Keen, who does that. Um, sorry to plug the other podcast, but no, no worries. We could do whatever. We could do what we want. So they they do predictions, and sometimes I moonlight as the host on there when Keen's not available, and they always try and push me into one, but I still can't do it. So I'm ruining their prediction games. I don't even know how badly I'm ruining it just by abstaining from doing it. I don't know if that if that ruins the algorithm of their, how they do the predictions. It's like they do the scores and then the, the line of predictions, and I'm like, right, I'm just not doing the scores, lads. I'm sorry about that. I just refuse. All right, oh. fair enough. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. Lovely to talk to you, Wayne, as always. We, we did actually manage to find some other content to talk about other than Anthony's spin, but... Did, the, just to be it clear... It needs a name. It needs a name. We had the seal thing. We've got the Cruyff turn. We need the Anthony double pirouette. Yeah, something well, like that. Just to be clear, I we're forty three minutes in. I don't know how, how what you're going to edit this to something that's reminiscent of the of the spin. But I would have happily talked for forty three minutes about the spin and how much it's wound up everyone. I would have been quite happy yeah. if you'd have pulled up all the tweets. If you'd have pulled up Ian Holloway's <laughs> diet, that everything that you wanted to talk about, I'd be quite happy yeah. to have done that for forty three minutes. I'll tell you and. Next time I'm on, if you want to dedicate 43 minutes to talking about it, and if the listeners yeah, want Yeah, fair it, enough. I'm, I'm we'll do a special. <laughs> yeah, it's special. Nothing but the spin. We'll get yeah. all the pundits on. Yeah. The, the, only, the only pundit I haven't seen comment on it so far is Sam Allardyce. I, I, surely Big Sam has got something to say about it. I haven't seen Roy Keane talk about it because I, th- I don't think he was on the Europa League games. But I'm sure I'll say uh, something at the weekend. Yeah, I would say if United are on Sky, then he most certainly will. They, they'll they'll ask him about it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, folks, we'll leave it there. Thanks a lot, Wayne. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon.